Good to be here. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the pastor here with Bluemont, and very excited about where we're at and the beginning of the school year. Had a lot of fun at the Call to Greatness cookout last night, for those of you who were, who were there. We hit, did you know that Manhattan was the hottest spot in America last night? It hit 115 degrees, actually. And we had a cookout in the middle of that. Kind of crazy, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We moved it uh, inside as much as we could. And it was great to meet some of you and really just kick off the year. I'm so excited about what God is going to do with college students on the K-State campus this, this year. And we're excited to be in the thick of it. One of my uh, memorable conversations was with uh, Joel right here. I hadn't seen Joel since May when he went home to Nebraska for the summer. And I was talking to him, and I said, hey, Joel, um, you know, are you like, because I was kind of feeling like, man, I could use another month of summer. Like, this is, this summer's, you know, I could use another month before things kick up. So I was, I was kind of asked Joel, like, hey, how are you feeling about coming back? I knew he had a, a full-time internship and was working hard. And Joel said, you know, I'm ready. In so many words, he was like, my job ended like a week ago, and after like two or three days, I was just bored. And I, I need something to do. Like, I need, I need something to be focused on or else this life's kind of, you know, stale. And that rang true with me because actually we're, we've been looking at different parables that Jesus taught. Parables are short examples or illustrations that, that, show, that have a hidden point about God and his kingdom. And the one we're going to look at today is we're calling it unhired. It's a story about people who were unhired. And really the, the deeper meaning we're looking at is it's people who did not have a purpose for their life. And God is all about taking people who don't have a purpose or something meaningful to give their time and their energy, their strength, their intellect to, and tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, I got something for you, and helping you to find that. And there's something in us that when we don't have that, we just, we're not satisfied because we were made to live like that. So I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but let's just go ahead and start reading this, this parable. It's in Matthew chapter 20. I'm just going to read a little bit at a time and then kind of talk about it as we go. So let's pray together before we go on. God, would you just help us? Would you, Lord, by your spirit, would you cause your words to come alive in our minds and hearts? Thank you that this is not just a, a doesn't have to be just another day, but Lord, this doesn't just have to be another year, but you can meet us here, and I ask that you would do something powerful today and this year. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jesus is speaking. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So here's the, the illustration, and I'm just going to kind of define terms here so we know what each thing represents before we go on. So the, the kingdom of heaven, first of all, a lot of times when we hear kingdom of heaven, we just think, oh, that's heaven. That's like streets of gold in the sky when you die. But the kingdom of heaven is not just heaven. The kingdom of heaven is, is the, the kingdom of God, the reign of God. That's, the throne is in heaven, but it's extended to the earth, just like the United States. That's like Washington, D.C. is the capital. That's like heaven, but the whole country. So the kingdom of heaven is where God is bringing his will into the world. So the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. The master is God, or Jesus. He went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. The vineyard 
is the, the world. It's the place where God has something that he is working on, something that he is cultivating. The Bible, from the beginning to the end, is all about God made the earth, and he has a plan and a purpose for it. He started out, but he wants it to flourish. He wants it to develop. And he's looking for people to develop it. And that's where the laborers come in, is that God, God could do everything by himself, but he's chosen to partner with people. He's chosen to bring the kingdom of heaven into the world through men and women who say yes to his purposes. And so the master, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. I think, uh, you know, that word master can kind of trip us up, right? Like we, we don't really like the idea of having a master. And, you know, it's really been ruined for us by, by the, in, the evil of, what, of slavery in America and what that looked like and the masters and, and how they mistreated their slaves. But really, if you just think of like, there's, there are good, good leaders, good bosses. I, actually, just yesterday, my, my high school track and basketball coach, his, his funeral was yesterday. And I wasn't able to go, but I know he was a tough guy. His name was Coach Sargent. And just think about that. It's like a double, like, you know, like, coach, coach, yeah. Or like, sergeant, sergeant. It's because he was more like a sergeant. He was a tough guy, but he really cared, and he, 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 he definitely helped turn boys into men. And I know at his funeral, there were people from all over the place who came and showed up and talked about how their life was impacted. Because there's, we need people like that, and, and Jesus is that kind, of, that kind of master. So he goes out early to hire laborers for the vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So the, the denarius was a, a, a coin in the Roman Empire. It was the standard rate of pay for one day's work. It was actually a pretty, it was what the Roman, Roman soldiers got for one day's work in the army. So it was, it was um, fair, it was a little on the, you know, a, a good wage. It was a, a fair and, you know, you could make a live, you could live off of a denarius a day. But it wasn't like earning the, winning the lottery or something, all right? It's just, it was a, a denarius. It was one day's wage. And so um, I say that to say the point of the story is not about what they got paid. We're actually, next week we're talking about, Jesus tells another parable where he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's, so it is, it's like a buried treasure. The kingdom of heaven is incredibly valuable, incredibly worth so much. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But here, the point isn't on... The payment, it's, it's something else. So he sends them into his vineyard. And then verse 3, going out about the third hour, so that would be about uh, 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, he came back and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. I just want to pause there. Think about it. The master comes back and he sees more people in the marketplace standing idle. And I think this is such a picture of this generation today. There are person after person after person without something meaningful to do with their life. You can see it even just in the natural, like businesses all over America have help wanted signs. Like people, like they're trying to hire laborers to run their business. There's, there aren't enough Workers, there are people are, for whatever reason, there, there are various reasons. We could talk about baby boomers retiring or fewer children being born. But I think a bigger factor, a very real factor, is that people are saying, you know what? 
that's not a compelling enough thing for me to give my life to. Like, I'm, I'm okay as I am. I'm comfortable. I have enough resources. There are people, a lot of people, more than, more than normal, that are opting not to work. There are people that are saying, you know what, I just, I don't need to work. I can live, I have, my family has enough money or whatever. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to work. Because they're, they're not finding those jobs compelling enough for them to give their lives to. Um, you know, I can kind of imagine, you know, if this was today, and then the, the, the employer goes out. The people are sitting in the marketplace. I think most of them are on their phone, right? Most of them are scrolling through something. Maybe they have dreams about being an influencer. <laughs> I, I don't know. But they're like, you know, they haven't found a job yet. That they, they're, they're distracted by, by something. Um, so there they are. And it goes on. And so what's the master's response? So in verse 4, he said to them, to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, so that would be about noon, and then about three o'clock in the afternoon. The same thing happened, and he did the same. So he just keeps going back, and then there are more, more unhired people, more idle people, more people without, haven't found something to give their, their day to. They haven't found something to give their time to. They haven't found something to give their life to. They're sitting there, idle, in the marketplace. And the master says, here, I got a job for you. Come to my vineyard. I'm going to give you a job. And so he keeps, he keeps hiring person after person. This, I think it's, it's interesting that the, the transaction is not very glamorous. It's not, there's no press conference. There's no like, hey, I'm going to announce that I got drafted to go work in the vineyard today. You know, this isn't like, it seems very low key. It doesn't seem that significant. But the master is offering them something to give their day to. He gives them a job. He hires them. And they say, OK, you know what? I'm going to say yes to that. And they go and they, they do something that really you know, doesn't even seem that significant. It's, it's working in a vineyard. But Jesus wouldn't be telling the story if it wasn't significant. Um, yeah, again, I, I just think like there, our culture is full of people that are like this. They're sitting in the marketplace waiting to be hired, waiting for something significant to give their life to, waiting for someone to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, there's a purpose for your life. There's something I got for you. There's something bigger than you that you were born for. And that's what Jesus does. He comes and he taps us on the shoulder and he shows up and he gives us something bigger. I remember this a big part of this in my own life happened when I was like some of you, and I was an 18-year-old freshman in college. And I, this, I met this guy, and he was a campus minister. He was just starting a new campus ministry. And he, he said, hey, I, you know what, let's, he didn't even really ask me. He just started show, showing up in my life. He just started, this was before there was security in the dorms, and he just like showed up in my dorm. <laughs> and there he was, there's John. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And but basically, but he, was, he gave me a vision, like, hey, God has a purpose for your life. And I want to help you. I want to help you to learn how to, to grow and follow Jesus and be trained and make a difference. And it was kind of, it was like, it wasn't all that glamorous. In fact, he didn't have much money at the time. His, um, the car he drove was like a 1974 
Dodge Duster, which you probably don't know what that is. It wasn't a very nice car. And it was really beat up, and it had these really thick pink windshield wipers on the front. It was just like a drone. Like, it was like this purple car with pink windshield wipers. It was beat up. It was like, wow, this, this does not look like all that much is happening here. But John would show up at my door, and I just like, I feel like, you know, I want to, there's something going, there's something that just my heart responded, like, you know, I want what this guy's got. And I could tell that he cared about me. He wanted to invest in my life. And as I said yes to that, I began to be transformed. I began to find God's purpose for my life. I began to come into much more than I'd ever experienced before. And that is the story of what God wants to do for people. That's what he's doing for people after people all over the world who respond. All right. Um, so there he goes. Make sure. What else was I going to say? Um, yeah, I think the thing that the difference between being hired and not hired is having something bigger than your own life to give yourself to. I think that's one of the main reasons that our generation, our culture is so bereft of purpose is that all the messages that come to us is it's about you. You're special. You, like, what can you do to make your life work out the way that you want it to? And you are the center of the universe. That's kind of the unspoken assumption. Like, look out for number one. And all the messages, how can we appeal to that? And how can we market this and market that? And I got to tell you that you are a really small thing to live for. That is, like, you're, gonna, you're not going to live that long. And the biggest of us, the, by ourselves. Like, that is, that is not much to live for. But significant com significance comes when we find something bigger than our own life. When we find a cause and a purpose and a mission and a person bigger than ourselves, that we can join our lives to that, and we can join our lives to him. We can join our lives to God and his purpose and God. And we say, wow, God, you have a purpose. And that's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the story and the mission that is big enough for the whole world. God is... He is committed to changing the world. He is committed to changing every aspect of society. He's committed to changing medicine. He's committed to bringing life and flourishing in science, in education, in the family, in, in every part of society. His, his, he's, he's transforming the world. He's transforming every nation. His story, his, his purpose is big enough for the whole world. But it's small enough for every individual. Because every person, God says, hey, I made you, and you got a part to play in this grander story. And if you can get in touch with, with who I am and my purpose, and then you can find your part to play in that, then you can find a life of significance. Then you can be hired into something bigger. And that's what God does. So, back to the story. Verse 8. And when evening came, did I read all that? Did I read 7? I didn't think so. Verse 6. About the 11th hour, so this was like 5 o'clock. This is the end of the working day, almost over. He went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? You know, you, there are different reasons you can be idle. You can be idle because you're lazy. You can be idle because you're bored. You can be idle because you're distracted. Or you're not really giving yourself to a purpose bigger than yourself because you're just distracted by 
whatever, your phone, people, just things that really aren't that important. You can be idle because you're untrained. It's like you just you don't know how to do something yet that's significant. Um, this last one is kind of seems counterintuitive, but you can be idle because you're busy, in a sense. Like you can be idle from what really matters because your life is full of busyness with other things. And all of those things can keep us from, from being hired by God, being brought into his purpose. But for all of these, the basic root cause is that we, we find ourselves unhired for God's mission, unhired for God's work. Um, we're, we're not in the vineyard. We're not giving our days to his purpose, to something that really matters. And you know what? Maybe just because you were never asked. You maybe just like, hey, I haven't been hired because I didn't, I've never been asked yet. But if that's the case, hey, that's changing today. Mm-hmm. Because right now, today, you're being asked. You're being given an opportunity to respond to the master looking for people for his mission. So, all right. Let's see if there's anything else I skipped. I don't see that. We'll keep moving here. Verse 8. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired, about the eleventh hour, the end of the day came, each of them received a denarius. So wow, they only worked like an hour, but they got the full day's payment. Pretty, pretty good for them. So then, now, when those, when those who were hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. Seems like a logical expectation. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. So, wow. This is, this is a twist. This seems a little, a little scandalous. A little unfair. And, you know, it's interesting that the ways of God tend to cross our will. They cross our expectations. They cross what seems good and right to us. Last week we talked about the story of the shepherd. There was a shepherd who had 100 sheep, and one was lost. And Jesus said he'll leave 99 sheep. He's like the good shepherd. He'll leave 99 sheep and go find the one who's lost. And... There was a conversation afterwards with someone who was here who's not a follower of Jesus, and she was like, I like that story, but that's not right. Like, you, really sh- you shouldn't leave the 99. Like, that's the wrong thing to do. Like, they're not going to be okay. You shouldn't do that. And Jesus, like, the things he says, like, they cross what seems right to us. And he- he's making a point here about what his priorities are and what's really important. So it seems unfair. Like, what, is this socialism or something? Like, hey, everybody gets paid the same. It doesn't matter how hard you work. Where's, where's the fairness about all this? And, um, you know, I think it's important to realize that God, he, everyone got paid. No one got shorted. Everyone got paid a fair amount. Everyone got paid for their work. And even on the side of generos- generousness. And really the point of the story is not that the, the payment that they got for their life. The denarius would refer to just what you needed to live, what you needed to pay for your housing and your clothing and your food. 
And Jesus is very clear, like, hey, that's, that's not what life is all about. In, in Matthew 6, he, he famously says, Matthew 6, 31, let's just read this. He says, therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't make your obsession, don't make the focus of your life about money. Don't make the focus of your life about the stuff that you need. That is a lower thing to live for. That will not fulfill you. That is not your purpose. Hey, you are made for something more. You are made for the kingdom of God. You are made to be part of God's kingdom and to be part of the story of him changing lives and changing the world and changing nations. Seek that first. Be a part of bringing that about. And as you do that, I'll take care of all that other stuff. You'll get what you need. But seek first the kingdom. And that's what it comes down to this story. is like, what is important to the master? What does he care about? It's not, it's not about money. But two things are important to him. It's important to him to cultivate his vineyard, which is all about cultivating, renewing the earth, bringing God's purposes, bringing God's life, bringing change, bringing his goodness, bringing his peace and blessing into the world. God's all about that. And then he's all about hiring people. He's all about giving people meaningful jobs. God is, my, my dad had some similarities to God. Not, not everything, for sure, but some things. And he was like God in this. Like, if there, was, if there was work to be done, which was basically all the time, and he saw you standing around, he'd be like, hey, why'd you stop? The job's not done. Why, why are you just, what are you doing? You know, there's, there's a thing that God is, there's, God's like, hey, you know, it's not to say that there's not a time to rest. There's not a time to, don't get me wrong. But in, there's a time, like, hey, there is a job to be done. And the master's all about saying, hey, I'm looking for people. I'm looking for people who I can hire to be brought into the purposes of God. He wants to, and that's, you know, it's, it's so cool, because that's where we find, that's where we find purpose, that's where we find meaning. He's looking to hire people in, in every aspect of society. He's looking to hire moms, dads, teachers, engineers, doctors. What, what am I, I mean, there's so, whatever. You know, what's in your heart? It's probably something, good chance, musicians, artists. Good chance God puts something in you. He needs campus ministers. He needs pastors. He needs missionaries. He's looking to hire people for the purposes he has. He needs coaches. He needs all sorts of people. But, but not just for that occupation, but as that to be something bigger, as to see that to, to serve and to build his kingdom. And, you know, that's, I mean, ever since I said yes to that, man, I, I have never once been bored. I have never once been bored. I've been overwhelmed. <laughs> I've had all sorts of other problems. I've been tired. I've had all sorts of things. But I have lived life the way you feel at the end of a good day of like manual labor, where you go to bed and you're like, I'm going to sleep good. Because, man, I am giving my life and my energy to something that matters. I, man, there is something. I've... Even in the middle, like many of you know, I lost my wife to cancer a year and a half ago. 
And in the middle of all, I mean, that's, you know, I'm not going to go there. But incredibly difficult and intense. But having a purpose bigger than our own lives. And knowing that Reagan had given her life fully to the kingdom of God and made a difference. It made all the difference. And having something beyond, we had an incredible relationship, incredible marriage. I, at least, you know, I can say that. She, she maybe wouldn't say the same thing about me, but <laughs> that's my advantage now, I guess. But um, No, I think she would. But it was such a gift. But it was like not just about us. It was because there was something bigger. We knew that, man, our lives were about something bigger than ourselves. And, and after she passed away, it's like, okay, you know, I, my purpose, I had a purpose before her. I've still got a purpose. And that's how God wants every one of us to live. So, man, some of you, some of you are unhired. Some of you have never encountered God's purpose. Some of you have been hired, but it's a good time for a reminder. How do you, how do you get hired? How do you live this way? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I'm here to answer that question. How do you get hired? Well, first of all, you get asked. You need someone to, to ask you. So that's, here, here, here we are today. Um, I remember... When I was first starting out as a campus minister, I had thought about doing other stuff with my life. I thought about politics, not that I would have been any good. I thought about um, being a missionary in the Middle East. I liked business. Um, but I, just, I realized, you know, I think I can make more of a difference in the world by helping college students connect with God and their purpose and, and their vocation, whatever that is. And so early on, I remember there was this time of year, we were starting the school year, and I, was, I went to KU. I was working at KU at the time. And this new guy came to our church service one Sunday morning. He just came come from Kyrgyzstan in Central Asia. And our, we were having a conversation before church started. He was not a follower of Jesus yet. And first conversation, he said, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm studying. I'm getting a master's in public administration. I'm, I want to go into politics. Um, and he'd won this big scholarship. And I said, oh, that's cool. I thought about doing that. Um, but I decided you know, not to do that. I was like, well, why, why? He's, oh, why didn't you do that? I said, well, because I felt like I could do a better job of making a difference in the world by being a campus minister and helping trade other people to go into politics and other things. And Nergazi looked at me. First conversation we ever had, he looked me in the eye and said, well, you can train me. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, is this, I, was I just blowing smoke, or is this for real? <laughs> But I was like, okay. And so we started a relationship, and Nergasi, like, he was hungry. He would just, again, this was, there were cell phones, but he didn't have one. And he would just, like, show up at my house. Or he would just call me, like, every day. And like, okay, what are we doing today? What's going on? He was in grad school. He had a full plate, but he was just so hungry. So about three months later, he had a dream where he saw Jesus and gave his life to Jesus. And just was so hungry, like, just would not go away. It just was like, train me, train me, teach me. Now he's been back in Kyrgyzstan for several years. He started a couple businesses. He's a lawyer. He's involved in government. He's involved in a church in a nation that's majority, vast majority Muslims. He's making a difference in his nation because he said, hey, you can hire me. And that's what's available to every one of us. So you, you say yes. Say yes to Jesus as your master. Say yes to, to everything he has for you. Um, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit, get added to the church, say yes to him. And then you get trained. And that's by finding people that know a little bit more than you and can help you go where they've gone. And that's what's called discipleship. And that's, that's how we get trained. There's an employee manual, just like when you have a lot of jobs. It's like, okay, here's what you read this manual. We got, 
Here's our employee manual. We start getting in here. Okay, this is how we live this life. This is how we, how we follow God. We've got some small group, some Bible study material to help break this down, help you learn it. And then you live missionally. You find God's mission and you give yourself to it. I love how when Jesus called the first disciples, we, we read the story in Matthew chapter 4, 19 and 20. It says, he said to them, they were, they were fishermen. It said, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There it was. I got a bigger purpose for your life. I got a mission. Get hired. Leave that job. Get hired. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So they found a mission, the mission of God's kingdom, and they gave themselves to it. And they became world changers. They became people that traveled around the world and impacted the world because they were willing to leave something and get hired for God. So, you know, that's really what we're all about. That's what Blue Mountain Church is all about. We, um, we have a list of five. These are five core values we have on that, on that banner. But we also have what we call five distinctives. And one of those, I've got on the slide here, is that your, your calling and destiny are important to us. Your calling and destiny are important to us. That we believe that each person has a priceless calling, a priceless purpose, that each person was made in God's image, made uniquely, made beautifully, and made for a purpose. And that it hits me because it does matter to us. It's a, it's a sacred thing, really, that God needs you. The world needs you. There, is, there are people you can unlock. There are places you can bring life that you are uniquely fashioned for. And the needs of the world are so vast. The needs of the world are so great. The needs of people, the brokenness and the despair and the, the lack of purpose is just, there's help wanted signs everywhere. There's a need for people to show up and, and bring something. And, but we believe, man, there's a privilege that we have of helping people come into who they were meant to be. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not glamorous most of the time. It's just like when the master hired someone. It's just like, okay, here we go. Let's start after it. It's nitty-gritty. A lot of days look very plain. They don't feel that extravagant. They don't feel that glamorous. But there is something very, very important that happens when we say yes to Jesus and we say yes to his mission. And so that's, that's what we're all about. That's what we're called to. Um, we're all about helping people find a meaningful purpose for their life, to find their calling, to find the kingdom, and jump into it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're here today, you're like, you know, I, 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 I'm unhired. I've never been hired, but I want to be. Man, we'd love to help you. Fill out that Connect card. Yeah. Talk to someone. We'll, we'll help you. You know, maybe you're like, you know, I've been hired, but I, I know God's calling me to really take the next step and hire other people. God's calling me to get in the game.
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Same thing, man, it's a great time to be in that process. And I don't know a finer group of people that I'd wanna be doing it with. Man, that's, that's, the, that's the dang truth right there. Like in this room, there are some amazing people and it's a privilege to be doing it together. So, um, yeah, I just wanna pray for us and trust God to help us come into this. So let's pray together. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I... ask this morning that just as tangibly as those people who were idle had you walk up to them and offer them a job, may it be just as real for each of us. God, may it be just as real that you're the master, you got a big vineyard, it's got a long ways till harvest time. There's a lot of work to be done. And you're walking up to us and inviting us to be employed, to join you, to join your, your operation, to join your endeavor. Lord, I pray that that would be clear. Lord, I trust you to give grace to people to know, to say yes to you and even Lord, I trust you for the grace in that process. Whatever that looks like, whoever that's with, wherever that is, I trust you to bring it about. Lord, thank you for this privilege. Lord, I, I pray for this year, God, that this would be an amazing year of people encountering you, encountering your purpose, growing as disciples, being changed, being sent out. Lord, and we trust you, Lord, as that happens, that you're going to meet all our needs. Lord, I just also pray for that, for the ability to trust the needs of the year to you, financially, emotionally, the need to belong, every need that we have, Lord, give it to you and trust you to provide for it. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.